also helps if you turn your mic on. So we're going to talk about glowing today, and uh, this will continue and uh, conclude our series. Before we do, just want to remind you that we have an awesome uh, night tonight plan. I hope you can be here. Um, it's uh, missions night, and we're actually entering into missions month in October. We celebrate Global Missions Month, and what we do is encourage you to give over and above your original gifts uh, to give toward our church's efforts in missions, and we partner with our uh, Southern Baptist Convention in various ways, and uh, we do that through uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and so everything that you and I give will uh, through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes directly to the missionaries on the field. We also give to the Annie Armstrong missions offering, which uh, some, sometimes churches focus on that in, uh, around Easter. We, we focus on it all in October, and whatever you give toward the global missions uh, emphasis will be split into those four ways. Uh, Lottie Moon International, North American Mission Board, uh, here in the states, and then Georgia Mission, uh, Mission Georgia, which is Georgia Baptist Missions, and then local. It's split completely uh, four ways, 25%. And so, encourage you uh, to pray how God may call you to that. But we want to begin this Global Missions Month with Missions Night, and we as a church. Uh, uh, have this year been focusing on our impact, uh, not just here in Lafayette, but particularly here in Lafayette, but also in ways that we can make an impact across the globe. That's why we say that verse uh, every week, those verses from Colossians chapter 4. Uh, that's why we've done a lot of the things we do, and that's why we're in this series today called Glow, because you and I are meant to be the light of Christ shining into the darkness of this world. So tonight at that missions night, we will have a guest speaker. Uh, because we're recording this right now, I can't mention his name or where he's from because it's uh, he's stateside right now. But when he goes back shortly, uh, very soon, to that place, uh, it is dangerous for Christians to be there. And so uh, he's going to come and share about that place and that mission work. Tonight, uh, before that, we are looking at. Uh, we're going to be in the um, fellowship hall. You get, you get to have Chick Fil A. Uh, we we picked it up yesterday. We're going to reheat it today. It's going to be good. All right, it's going to be awesome. And uh, but we're going to go and look at the ministry partnerships we as a church have, or we are looking at locally, internationally, and uh, nationally. So be here at five tonight. And we are going to have a great time and hear from a missionary uh, at 6 p.m. Um, in here. So join us. It's going to be fun. Well, let's continue uh, in our study on glowing. I want to begin, and I want you to imagine the disciples standing disillusioned on a hillside for almost a month and a half their lives were a whirlwind Jesus had died 
and they thought all was lost. Then Jesus appeared, and he was alive. He spent about 40 days with them, and he was commissioning them, teaching them, sharing with them, giving them their final marching orders, sending them out into the world. And just when they thought everything was normal again, he ascended. And they stood there on that hillside, waiting, watching, thinking maybe he would come right back. And I guess they stood there long enough just staring into the sky because they didn't know what to do on their own. That God had to send an angel and say, y'all got work to do. You got work to do. And they went. They waited. They gathered together and no doubt said, what do we do? How do we go forward? How, what, what's going on? Jesus had told them again and again. He had indicated to them again and again what he was going to do, that he was going to prepare a place for them, that he would bring, send them a helper. But all that kind of just went over their heads in the moments. Maybe in these times, those things came back to their mind. And another 10 days of waiting, the spirit that was promised to them filled them completely with himself and his power. They were able to do things that were supernatural. They spoke in their own language, but to whom they were speaking, many people in many other languages heard them in their native tongue. The power of Jesus' spirit filled them up and it spilled out of them for all to see. The light shined in them, on them, and through them. On one day, Peter was filled up by the Spirit and spoke among a crowd of multitudes, and 3,000 people came to faith in Christ in that moment. And all of a sudden, what Jesus proclaimed to Peter while he was still alive was birthed in this moment when Jesus said to Peter, on this rock I will build my church and hell cannot prevail against it. In that moment, the 3,000 came to know Christ and began to be discipled by these men who were discipled for 12 years as they split into groups and went into homes and gathered together a people was called out of the world so they could impact the world. On another day, 5,000 came to Christ, and day by day, Scripture tells us that more were being added into their number. It was a Holy Spirit-empowered movement of God, and it came to life, and it couldn't be stopped. Persecution tried to stop it and just spread and went to other places. 
and year after year and convert after convert and church being birthed after church being birthed in new places and in places that no one ever expected among Gentiles and Samaritans, not just among Jews. It continued to change lives and upend governments and challenge everything that so many people knew. In fact, at one point in one town, someone comes to the government official and it's like, these guys that have gone everywhere across the world, the ones who have turned the world upside down are here now and it's turning our town upside down. You see, what God burst into the life of these disciples that spread into these moments where thousands came to know Christ and daily people were being added into their number and they were being discipled and raised up. The Holy Spirit filled them up with the light that was from Christ and it shined into the dark world and it could not be stopped. God was using the messy people he was calling to himself out of all nations, tribes, and tongues to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. And it started with such a small group of disillusioned followers and it continued with the unexpected in and unexpected ways. And over centuries, no doubt with challenges, church splits, denominational arguments, and so much more, the bride of Christ, the church, is still God's plan A to make Christ known to the world, to shine his light. It's what God chose. And Peter, at this point in his life, he was once the, the guy who would just say whatever was on his mind and oftentimes stick his foot in his mouth. But at this point in his life, he was much more wise, much more mature. And he himself is writing to a group of Christians, this church gathered in a specific place at a specific time to let them know, to inject them with courage, to keep on in spite of the challenges, to keep on in spite of the difficulties, to keep on even when the world was pushing back on it, to keep shining the light of Christ for the world to see. And he gives them a somewhat startling realization of who God had made them to be and who God had called them to be. And he states this in two verses in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And if you're able, would you stand for the, in honor of the reading of God's word? And these two short verses are so powerful for you and I to see who God has called us to be. And it says, but... These are Peter's words. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, 
so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. may be challenging for you and I to realize but the gathered body of Christ the church what scripture what scripture in in Greek calls the ekklesia which just means the called out ones is God's plan for the light to shine into the dark world Now, it may be surprising to you and me because, particularly in America, the church in some ways has become a joke. I don't mean it's a joke. I just mean it's the the subject of a lot of jokes. Oh, you go to blank church. Oh, well, I know so-and-so who goes there, and he's a hypocrite, and so I would never go there. Oh, you go to so-and-so church. Well, I know people that go there who live one way at church but live another way and I've seen it and so I really don't want to have anything to do with it or people say that the church is powerless and no longer needed and that the God that you and I serve is dead but friends Jesus is very much still alive and churches are still making an impact though many of them have forgotten what the important things that Peter and others were saying are, the church is growing across the globe. Even though sometimes in America it does seem that churches are dying left and right and COVID didn't help anything, the church, the called out ones, people are being saved across the globe. Oftentimes where persecution is the strictest and hardest that's where the church is growing the most. And I think reason, the reason, part of the reason that maybe the church in America, and particularly in the South, a study came out this week that the, the American church is declining in the Bible Belt, but growing exponentially in the Northeast. Why? We are complacent. We're complacent to live our lives with no impact at all. We're complacent to not worry about shining the light of Christ, but living our lives in quiet solitude. And we just don't want to upset anybody, and we don't want to, we don't ruffle any feathers. And people are dying and going to hell every day, surrounded by people who know the truth of the Word of God. And do we care? Do we want the gospel to go forward? The gospel is powerful. The light penetrates the darkness, but it doesn't do anything if you and I don't shine it. So perhaps the church in America, particularly the South, as it is declining, has forgotten what Paul or Peter says here. So my prayer is that in this passage we would see we would see four things that will help us to shine 
the light of Christ to glow in the dark. Number one, the Lord chose us to represent him. It may be seemingly challenging. We've already mentioned that. But God chose us. People. Messy people. But messy people whose lives have been changed by Jesus. And he's chosen us to represent him to the world. The church. The called out ones. The gathered ones. We, we are called by Jesus. Chosen to be his representation in the world. We are the proclaimers, as this passage tells us. We are to proclaim and share and allow people to see how amazing Jesus is in our own lives and by our own words. We're not merely just loyal subjects or uh, paupers in his kingdom. But because our namesake is in Christ Jesus, we are his children, we are his joint heirs, as Ephesians tells us. We are royal priests, it tells us in this passage. We're not merely just insignificant members of, uh, what, uh, of God's kingdom. We are the number one plan A version to show the world how magnificent and amazing our King, our Savior, our Jesus is. You and I are a royal priesthood. And what did the priesthood do in the Old Testament? They made known who God was. They helped people to worship Him. And you and I make God known. We make Jesus known to our, our friends, our families. We make Jesus known to the people in our lives and in our circles. We are a royal priesthood, it says. We are a holy nation. This language, royal priesthood, holy nation, is covenant language. Borrowed from how God dealt with Israel back in the day. Declaring that we represent him to the world. Because we were once from the world. But he's called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. We are his people and we have received his mercy. And this is what God is calling us to. God, the Lord chose you and me and us collectively to shine his light. This church was founded in 1835 in this town it was founded at the exact same time that the town was, uh, was founded. And what happened is that many Baptists from various areas ended up settling in this moment, in this place, and they said, we need a church, a light, to represent Christ in this place. And so Jesus called this church in July of 1835... And that light began shining here. I hope you understand and realize that it's not an insignificant thing that a church still exists almost 190 years later. And it is, and it is a, a church where there's growth and you know, 
baptisms. People coming to know the Lord and people being discipled and babies being born. That's not an insignificant thing. Because there are churches that are almost 190 years old who are every day closing their door because they don't have enough money to continue on. And it seems like the light has just no longer shined. So the fact that you and I are here, this church is here shining the light of Christ nearly 190 years later, that's significant. That's significant. There's significance to that, that God has called you and I. He, he wants you and I to make a difference and that this light would continue to shine in this community and that this light would shine in such a way that it would affect the entire world for the name of Christ, God has chosen us to represent him in Lafayette and beyond. The second thing we see in this passage is that we serve Jesus by serving others. We serve Jesus by serving others. And we, we began this series, this GLOW series, and each of the letters of GLOW represents something. Number one... And and uh, we've kind of held out on you the entire time until you come and listen, right? So the first week was you get started with prayer. If we're going to glow, if we're going to shine the light of Christ for people who are in our, our inner circles and in our circles of influence, then the way we do that is to begin with prayer. Praying for people to 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 pray that we can pray for but that we can call out by name say lord help me to be an impact in their life help me to shine into their life help me find opportunities to shine jesus love and kindness and goodness and faithfulness unto them and help me to do that lord so we begin with prayer last week we tackled the l and the o and we said we're supposed to listen and learn it's it's more than just praying you and I have the opportunity to get to know people, to listen to them, to learn from them, to know more about them. The last thing the people in our, in our circles need for us to do is just walk up to them and say, you better believe in Jesus, you dirty, rotten sinner. I mean, you could do that. It's just not going to be effective. You could do that, but they'll no longer be in your circle very long. And so our, our job is to get to know them. And not just for a purpose, right? But to get to know them because we care. Because we care about them. If they're already in our circles, then we probably already do. But to listen, to learn their story, to be able to pray, to inform our prayers of how to pray for their hurts and their difficulties, but to also how to point them to the hope that they could have in Christ. And then the O is organize the meal and Jesus set the precedence here when he would have meals with sinners, prostitutes, and tax collectors. And man, that made religious people just upset. Jesus didn't care. He says, I came not for the healthy, but I came for the sick. I came to seek and save the lost. And friends, that we carry that out. So we get to know, we get started with prayer, we get to know them, we listen, we learn, we 
find ways to, in, with intentionality, to invite people over and share meals with them and get to know them with great depth. And we're learning through those things, but we're also giving ourselves to them to let them know that we truly do care. And then we get to the W. So I know you've been waiting with bated breath to know what W stands for, and it's real easy. Because if we do all the other things, but we don't do this, then we might as well, it, it really doesn't matter. Because W is the most important. We witness to them by serving them and by sharing. By serving them and by sharing. We witness by serving and sharing. We have to share with them. We have to serve them. We serve Jesus by serving our neighbors. We proclaim God's goodness toward us by, by being good neighbors to our neighbors and by being good to the people in our circles. Those we've prayed for and listened to and learned from and invite into our homes and feed them as Jesus did, then we must find ways to witness to them and to serve them and to share with them. Why do we do this? Why do we serve people? Why do we serve each other? But why do we serve people who don't know the Lord? Because Jesus served us. Because He gave, we give. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he says, don't you know that you must be born again? And he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And Jesus gave himself for you and I to show us that that's what we ought to model as well. In just a few minutes, we're going to take communion together. We're going to commune with Jesus' Uh, body and his blood to remind ourselves of what he did for us and when Jesus instituted the Passover or switched up the Passover and instituted the Lord's Supper he also just before he did that got on his hands and feet wrapped a towel around his waist got water out and did the lowliest job for his disciples and he washed their feet and he says as I have served you you serve others Jesus calls us to serve why do we why do we go on mission trips and why do we give uh, supplies to local schools and why do we have uh, opportunities to feed the folks who who need uh, food, we'll do that in January again. Why do we do these things? Because Jesus did those for us. Jesus served us. And so we serve Him by serving others. The third thing is we witness to the world by sharing. Because we can do all those other things and be kind to people and we can usher them into hell with our kindness if we don't share with them the hope that we have and that they too could have in Christ. People can't be saved until they hear the gospel and we're called to share it with them. Romans, Paul tells us this in Romans. It's Romans chapter 10 and it's so 
imperative. You may have heard, you may have heard this phrase, and it, it's sometimes attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. And you may have heard this, and, and, and it's okay, I, I've, I've, I've used it as well, but I think it's very inaccurate biblically. And it's the phrase that, well, that we should preach the gospel and sometimes use words. And what people will say, oh, well, I preach the gospel with my life and my actions. And yeah, we should do that, but to preach the gospel, we have to use words. So if you're feeling guilty now because you've quoted that, trust me, I've quoted it as well, so we'll feel guilty together. But it's not true because what Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 10 is, is really what's true. Verse 14, it says, How then can they call on Him? How can they be saved if they've not believed in Him? How can they call on Him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about Him? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel, verse 16. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard. What is heard comes through the message about Christ. You see, we must share the gospel. Not merely by being kind people, but by being people who share the truth of God's word so that people can be saved. Not just feel better about themselves or feel like they have a friend in you and I. We must do all those other things. Glow, pray, Listen, learn, organize, serve. But we have to share for people to be saved. Final thing we see, we show mercy because we've received mercy. We extend mercy to people because Jesus extended mercy toward us. As I mentioned before, we're going to take communion today. And we're going to unite ourselves with Jesus' death to remind us that he loves us. And I pray that it will compel us to share this truth with the people in our circles. My prayer is that you would visit that display, you'd write down a name, you'd take that list home, you'd pray over it, and find ways to glow, to listen, learn, have them over to your home, or organize a meal with them, and witness by serving and sharing and that by doing so God would help us to do what Paul said to make the mystery of Christ known to them I want to pray and as I'm praying our deacons will come and we'll get ready to to uh, administer the Lord's Supper today and in doing that I pray that we'll focus our hearts and minds on what Christ did and what he's calling us to do to be the light of the world. God, we pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to live our lives 
in such a way that your light shines through us. We pray, O oh God, that you would help us as we recall your death on the cross, your body being beaten for us, Lord, your blood being spilled for us, that we would recall those things and it would remind us of your love for us and the hope that we have in you and you alone. And that it would compel us to go forward, to be your witnesses. Because, God, this is your plan A. There is no plan B. There is no alternative. You've called the gathered church to be the arms and the hands and feet of Jesus. And you've called us to take the gospel to the dark world in which we lived, from which we were called from, and to take the light back to it so that more will come to know you, Lord. That's plan A. And there is no plan B. And so God, convict us where we failed and compel us to go forward in your name to all those in our circles who don't know you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.